I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high-quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this, talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Hey there. Hi. So you guys are listening to a podcast. That's right. Called Muses and Stuff. The podcast. Yeah, the podcast. Um, And it's for people who, if you ever watch a music video and you see a beautiful woman and you're like, oh, who's that? Yeah. We tell you the stories. Or you see a there. photo of your favorite rock star. Yeah, and, and a woman is standing beside and sometimes probably slightly behind them. Yeah. That's who we talk about. Or that one sentence in that book about that rock star that mentions that woman's name and you're like, I want to know more about this woman. You've come to the right place. Exactly. Can you tell the listeners how much research we do around here? A lot. A lot. <laughs> That's why we're so excited to talk about Audible. Audible is a fantastic way to binge the content you love while doing the things you love. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which lets you fill your summer with stories like I'm With the Band, Confessions of a Groupie by Pamela DeBar. I've read her book a million times, but listening to it on Audible gave me the opportunity to hear it in her own voice. Plus, she added in little tidbits that weren't even in the book. Audible members get a credit each month good for any audiobook in their store, regardless of price, and unused credits roll over to the next month. And if you didn't enjoy your audiobook, you can exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, your books are yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and register anytime, even if you cancel your membership. 
Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash muses and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash muses, that's M-U-S-E-S, or text muses to 500-500 to get started today. How are you doing? Links, I'm doing well. I'm better now that you're here. I've Aww. been looking forward to story time all day. Yeah, it's nice getting uh, like a real like one-on-one episode here, not an interview or anything. Yeah. I always love these ones. So do I. And I have... love the interviews too. So but do I. This, this is like our special time. It's our special Links and Shanti time. Yeah. Um, this one is going to be interesting. It was a little different for me. Um, I'm talking about a couple women today and none of them have written books. So I had to really source material from all over. I scoured everything I could find online, um, every kind of magazine interview they've ever done. And I've looked up pretty much, I went to the reference library and I just got like every Guns N' Roses book I could Mm -hmm. find. And not a lot of them talk about the women unfortunately but all of them had maybe a paragraph or two so so there you have it that's that's what and who we're talking about today yes some guns and roses yes specifically beauties yes um some women that axel dated and some women he didn't date but had uh an importance on the band uh true or false axel rose was attractive once i'm gonna say true i find it interesting i kind of feel like axel the more you learn about axel the uglier he becomes the case of when the insides start matching the outside yeah. is that you that said that to yes. me the other day you yeah sent me a picture or something and you were like this is when his insides started matching his uh, outsides. Exactly. For sure, that's what happened with Axel. At least in my opinion, I don't want to... Uh... I've also, when I was researching this, noticed that there's a lot of like very, very devout Axel fans who will defend him till the end. And this episode might... They, they might not like this episode. Okay. I'm going to tell the women's stories the way that they have told the story themselves publicly. So <sighs> sounds pretty uh it sounds like something you might do. Yeah. This is not the easiest episode to listen to if you know anything about Axel. I don't. There's violence and things like that in this episode, so just prepare yourself, but it's uh these are these are their stories. <laughs> <laughs> So the first one I'm going to talk about is the beautiful Erin Everly. So Erin was born November 8th, 1965 in Los Angeles, and she was born into a showbiz family. She was actually the daughter of Don Everly, who's one half of the Everly brothers. And if you know the Everly brothers, they were very highly influential in rock and roll. They inspired people like the Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel. They were really known for like their perfect harmonies. Um, some of their biggest hits, uh, like All I Have to Do is Dream or um, Wake Up Little Susie. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Kathy's Clown, Bye Bye Love. They had a lot. A Alrighty. Lot of hits. Wake up, please. 
So her mother was a woman named Venetia Stevenson, and she was an actress in the 50s and 60s, and she later became a designer. And Erin had a sister named Stacy and a brother named Eden as well. So Erin's parents got divorced in 1970 when Erin was five years old. Her father, Don, actually, he went through a lot. He battled drug addiction. He suffered a breakdown in the mid-60s. Uh, he ended up being hospitalized. Uh, he received electroshock therapy. This is her dad? Yes. Okay. This is really interesting. I really like the perspective of the rock daughter, mm-hmm. which is actually something that we're going to be looking at. Soon. Ta- soon? Yeah. So just a little hint for everybody. We have a daughter of a rock musician in a very famous rock band, and she has a book that will be released soon. soon. Yeah. I'm excited for this one as well. First rock daughter. Yeah. So yeah, Erin was a rock daughter as well. Um, Because her father was dealing with his own, you know, personal hell, he wasn't exactly present for Erin's childhood. That's how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She said, I never had bad memories of him. I had no memories. Interesting. Yeah. It was uh, Don being unable or unwilling I don't really know the full story there to pay child support that led to Aaron's mother beginning a second career in fashion design so Aaron and her siblings were really raised by her mother and they went from being this upscale Beverly Hills private school family to you know renting a modest house and attending public school and so she went through like a big change in her childhood um Erin was apparently dyslexic and she preferred being at home and uh, she was like the sturdy one in the family, the emotional support system that kind of held them together through their rough patches. Is she the middle child? I'm not sure. But sounds like sounds a real like middle it. child yeah. trait. Are you the middle, middle child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yep, been there. I am a rock. So when Erin was 16 still very young she ended up moving to new york city she signed with the wilhelmina agency and she began a modeling career jesus yeah something her sister would also do casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies its breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night Casper also offers a wide array of other products like pillows and sheets to ensure an overall better sleep experience. They have free shipping and returns in both Canada and the U.S. How awesome is that? You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com muses and using the promo code muses at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. 
Once again, that's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash muses, M-U-S-E-S, and make sure to use the Muses promo code at checkout. Erin uh, would be a model for brands like Guess, BB, Jordache. Actually, if you go on YouTube, you can see a commercial that she did for Jordache, and it's very dramatic and kind of funny to watch like now, but she looks gorgeous in it, of course. Uh, now, all the articles I found about when they met say it happened in 1986 at a party when Axel was 24 and Aaron was 19. But when you look up Aaron's birth date online, it lists her as being born in 65. So going by that, I'm assuming she might have been like 20 or 21, actually. Either way, they Aaron and Axel fell hard and fast. And um, they met in this nightclub in New York. And Aaron would very shortly after that actually move back to L.A. to be near Axel. Okay, uh, was he at all known at this time 24 years no, old. no not really this was before appetite for destruction came out which was their big like blow up record they were a band and they had a following in la and everything and i think an ep out at the time but they weren't like guns and roses like no so yeah she was exactly she it wasn't like that so of this time Aaron was quoted as saying, it was the ref- it was the first relationship I had had. I felt like we were two people who didn't have much, but who had found each other. I was looking for someone who wanted to get married, have a bunch of children and a station wagon. Now, when I look at young Axl Rose, I don't see a man who is anywhere near <laughs> wanting those things in life. But I guess Aaron was projecting what she wanted onto him. So pretty much from the beginning, they had a pretty volatile relationship they would fight in public he would hit her and pull her hair in front of people he he didn't really hide that side of himself um what's his damage i will tell you okay um in the book i i found at the library called watch you bleed which is Guns N' Roses book, Um, a friend of theirs is quoted as saying, Aaron was nice, the opposite of Axel. When it was good between the two of them, it was very good. When it was bad, it was horrible. You wouldn't even believe what they ended up putting each other through. So by all accounts, Aaron gave as good as she got at the time, or at least in public, like she, they both were violent with each other. Like, I can't even comprehend that. If I'm, like, even slightly passive-aggressive with anybody that I care about, like, 30 minutes later, I'll send a text being like, that was really passive-aggressive gra- yeah. aggressive of me. I'm gonna apologize yeah. for half of my behavior there. I can't, I can't imagine <laughs> either. Yeah. So, not the healthiest of relationships. Um, friends of Aaron even called the cops on Axel a few times. Uh, But Aaron would stick up for him and, you know, send the cops away. Uh, Apparently, the police were called so many times that they got to know them. And one one police officer actually received an album credit on Appetite for Destruction. Alrighty then. Yeah, so that's what's going on. Um, One of the things that Axel and Aaron had in common was their less than normal childhoods. I was going to be like, long, luscious hair. Yes, well, that too, for sure. Okay. And beautiful, beautiful faces at the time. 
Um, Axel, apparently, he's he later, a- after Aaron, he ended up seeking therapy and hopefully getting help that he needed, but he was dealing with his own issues. He stated that he was sexually abused by... Uh, his father when he was a toddler and that his stepdad was like a fundamentalist Christian who beat him every chance he got and Axel was like really drinking heavily and getting into trouble with the law and all that by the time he was a teenager so yeah because like what 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 do men in that generation do when they've been sexually abused exactly they repress that shit they push it down and then they you know yeah Um, self-medicate And I think it was a pattern that the women around him saw this, you know, sad abuse side and wanted to be there for him. And when his abusive side came out, they excused it by, you know, thinking of the tender part of him or thinking, you know, he just needs to be loved and all of that. So, like, that's what was happening, you know, relationship-wise. Now, career-wise, Aaron continued to model while Axel and the band were writing and recording what would become their first album, Appetite for Destruction. Uh, They were famous on the strip, but as I said, they hadn't reached the worldwide fame that they would, but that would come within like the next year. So Appetite for Destruction came out in July of 87, and it was, of course, a massive commercial success. The third single they would release off of it was Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, um, which, of course, Erin was a muse for. Oh. And she was also a muse for many other songs of theirs during this period as well. And a fun little fact, if you watch the music video, you can see all the boys with their girlfriends <gasps> at the time. Oh, fun. Yes. I will watch that video. Yes. Erin is, of course, there. Duff McKagan, uh, I think it was his wife at the time, um, Mandy Bricks. Uh, Mandy's also really interesting. We got to do her one day. She was in an all-female hair metal band called the Lame Flames. Ooh, I want to watch it right now. You want to watch it right now? Do you want to pause for a minute? I do. All right. Okay. Okay, that was awesome. Everybody needs to do that to put you in the mood. Set the scene, set the tone. And I had mentioned Duff was with Mandy Bricks. Um, Steven Adler's girlfriend at the time, I believe her name was Cheryl Swiderski. And Slash was uh, with Sally McLaughlin. I just wanted to throw those out there because they're in there as well. I don't think Izzy had um, a girlfriend or he didn't put her in the video but that dog is izzy's dog <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah aaron's in that can i tell you a story uh, absolutely okay so i go to high school i leave my hometown yes. okay so there's a high school in my hometown 
I don't go to it. I go to another one. So I'm 45 minutes on the bus. And um, I tried out for the musical. So in order to try out for the musical, you have to audition a script and you have to sing a song. Yes. And let me just tell you that, like, everybody gets a part, even if you're, like, just in the chorus. Mm -hmm. So I've never done anything like this before in my life. I'm terrified. And I get up in front of the three teachers and I'm like, I'm singing Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, my God. But not the Guns N' Roses version, the Sheryl Crow version. Ooh. So I sang it. I was going to ask, like, can you hit those high axel notes? But, well, apparently not, because <laughs> it comes out that, you know, like, the the parts are all, you know, there. And it was The Wizard of Oz, and I'm like, oh, you know what, I'm only in grade nine, so I'm definitely not going to get Dorothy, but, like, maybe, you know? You, you gotta be hopeful. Maybe. My name is nowhere to be found no. on any of the sheets. Like, not even in the chorus. And so I, like, walk up to the teacher, like, days or a week later, defeated. And I'm like, was it that bad? Like, why am I not in... At all. At all in this play? And they were like, wait, what's your name again? And, like, I told them. And they were like, oh, well, like, your cousin is doing backstage stuff. And we saw you hanging out with her. So I guess we just forgot that you auditioned and... I uh, thought you were going to, like, want to oh do backstage God. stuff. Just go and talk to this person and, like, they'll find you a spot in the chorus. So basically, like, first year high school, oh. put myself out there on a limb and they basically told me that they forgot about me. Oh. Also, I was the, um, and, you know, we'll feel free to cut this out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> in grade eight, I was the captain of my volleyball team i tried out in grade nine and i didn't make the team that was my first year of high school i didn't make any of the teams i went from like hero to zero in one year it was a tough time for your girl shanti it was a tough time sweet child is not child of mine not the best uh memory attached to that one um i never played a sport or tried out for anything again i can't believe they did that though that's that's awful. And now you're a kick-ass teacher, and you don't forget anyone. No, that's right. I don't. You... Put your heart on the line. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Well. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. (laughs) 
Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. Aaron is putting put her heart memoirs. out on the line for, or for Axel. Yeah. Um, other than Sweet Child of Mine, they did shoot another music video for their song called It's So Easy with Aaron as the star. But that video had her in bondage, which may be why it was never officially released. And I read there's like a rumor that Axel apparently had it burned later um, when he got into some legal troubles regarding Aaron, which we'll talk about more in Ooh. a little while. Juicy. So... Now, Axel's behavior was not just directed toward Aaron. He pretty much uh, immediately, when it came, you know, to the band and everything, Axel was, like, always off the rails. Uh, he would show up late, fight with security, fight with fans. Uh, even the band on stage he would, like, fight with. Um, Steven Adler, who's in the band, uh, he claimed he saw Axel throw a woman down a flight of stairs in 1990 because she refused to sleep with him. Axel, no. Basically, he was a monster to, like, everyone. Oh. Everyone. Was it the cocaine it, paired with I, the PS? It was PTSD? probably, like, a mixture of everything. Yeah. It's just the type of guy he was. Aaron said, you never knew what would set him off. There was so much anger in him. So Aaron's modeling career was beginning to suffer, she had to cancel shoots due to, like, injuries and things like that. Erin uh, does say her friends tried to support her and get her to, like, leave him and go to the police. Um, but she said, I always believed things would get better, and I felt sorry for him. I thought I could make it all better, which is, you know, yeah. mo like, a lot of women in that situation, yeah. that's why they stay. So, basically, this kind of repeat behavior went on for four years. Aaron did leave him eventually on April 27th in 1990. But then, or sorry, that's not the date that she left him. I don't know the date she left him. But on April 27th, 1990, Axel, they're split and Axel shows up at her apartment at 4 a.m. What did he do? He says out of fear and depression, that's a quote because he's talked about this, um, he decided that they must at that immediate time get married. So Aaron refused, but Axel was like, I have a gun in my car. I'm going to kill myself if you don't come with me right now and get married. So she got in the car. They drove to Vegas. Axel made sure to call Howard Stern on the way to announce their plans. Oh, fucking Howard Stern. Yep. Um, and he began making, like, all the usual promises. You know, I'm never going to hit you again. Like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be a good guy and all that kind of shit. Uh, and on April 28th, 1990, they were married at the Cupid's Inn Chapel in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So okay. um, within two months, you know, they're fighting again. Axel actually filed for divorce but it never followed through and Erin got beat so bad that she was hospitalized did she get some money honey well we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, that's terrible <laughs> yeah 
Axel really goes off the deep end now. Aaron says he forbid her from seeing her friends. He would remove all the doors in their home so she, you know, couldn't hide from him. Yeah, that's really scary. Um, He would refuse to give her money or a key to the apartment. Um, There's a rock and roll rumor. I don't know if it's true, but a band called Great White allegedly used a recording of Aaron Everly and Axel on their album Psycho City. Um, I think I think what happened is one of them was leaving a voicemail for the producer because the band shared the same producer. And I suppose like Axel and Aaron were in the middle of a fight and Aaron was crying or something or trying to like protect herself from Axel. And like this clip was recorded and apparently this band might have used this clip. And whoa, that's some I couldn't trivia. I couldn't find a confirmation on this, but this story did pop up a couple times as like you know rock and roll trivia rumor um but either way the point is like everyone in their circle knew and was well like well well aware of axel's abusive behavior and witnessed it you know many times over in september of 1990 aaron discovered she was pregnant Uh oh yeah she said this was all i wanted i thought it could have been a cure for axel Uh, Sadly, she suffered a miscarriage on October 29th. Axel was devastated. Um, He trashed their new home. Damages were estimated in the hundreds of thousands. He really had a breakdown over it. Um, Erin later said she ended up having to sell her Jeep to cover the post-miscarriage hospital bills because, I guess... Because of America. Yeah, and Axel, I guess, didn't bother to help her right that too yeah um the day after axel still must have been in the depths of depression because he got into an argument with their neighbor apparently he was blaring music or you know being loud whatever and this woman banged on his door sometime after midnight with a wine bottle and he answered the door this is what the woman says. He took the wine bottle and no. cracked her over the head with no. it. Axel was arrested <clears throat> for assault the next morning, but in the end, the charges were dropped. So who knows if, you know, that woman didn't want to proceed there. So in November of 1990, Erin finally put her own well-being first. She was, she decided. Get the hell out of exactly. there. She yeah. left him. Uh, she said, "Good girl. I didn't. Not, th- yeah, easy. right. I didn't think I could survive mentally any longer. I was dying inside. At the door, I turned around and said, I want you to look at me because you're never going to see me again.' And he never has. Whoa. So <clears throat> their marriage was officially annulled in January of '91. Aaron says that for the next year, Axel would continue to try to get her back, sending her flowers, letters, birds. Birds. Yeah." That's a weird one. Um, She actually moved away to get away from him. Um, I believe it was around this time Axel went into therapy and was diagnosed as like manic depressive or bipolar. Uh, He has never really talked in detail about their relationship or the abuse, uh, but there was a quote from after they were divorced and he said... I cry every time I think of how horrible we treated each other. Aaron and I treated each other like shit. Sometimes we treated each other great because the children in us were best friends. But then there were other times when we ruined each other's lives completely. Ouch. 
Now, Axel isn't the only famous person Aaron's dated. In 1992, she briefly dated Donovan Leach Jr. Hey! Donovan's son, obviously. Um, and whose sister, Ione Skye. Yes. Ione and Aaron. We love her. Yes, I love her so much. Ione and Aaron actually share a, an ex-boyfriend as well, Anthony Kiedis from right. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, I wasn't able to find much on Aaron's relationships with Donovan or Kiedis. Uh I think they were just, you know, brief kind of flings or whatever. And she also dated David Arquette. And she Interesting. did. Yes. She did a People magazine article um, around 1994. And they have a quote from David that is so heartbreaking and really shows Aaron's state of mind after four years with Axel. He said... Aaron was very skittish and would flinch if he like would move suddenly or anything. And David said, I don't know how many times I've had to tell her I'm not going to hit you. So clearly, you know, that, that amount of abuse and everything that's, that's lasting. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. So we're going to take a break from Aaron for a minute and talk about another woman that entered Axel's life shortly after Aaron exited. Oh, God help her. Yeah. So this is supermodel Stephanie Seymour. So to give a little history on Stephanie, she was born July 23rd, 1968 in San Diego. Her father was a real estate developer. Her mother was a hairstylist. Um, Stephanie began a modeling career just like Aaron at a very young age. In 1983, when she was 15, she became a finalist at the inaugural Elite Model Management Look of the Year contest. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's a mouthful. I'm assuming it was this contest that drew her to the attention of John Casablancas, who was then the president of Elite Models. John was 42 and married to another model um, named Jeanette I don't Christensen. Like where this is going. Yeah, but that didn't stop him from going after 16-year-old oh. Stephanie. Um. Their relationship ended his marriage, and they even lived together for a while, but surprise, surprise, that relationship didn't last. Yeah. So Stephanie's career was really skyrocketing still at this point, um, but she was also sort of known as a party animal, and that did get her in trouble. Okay, I'm sorry. Can we just stop for a second? Yeah. So Mr. 40-something-year-old goes, I've got something that you want. You've got something that I want. Yeah. That's what that exchange was, right? I don't oh, want to yeah. jump to conclusions, but that's basically what those guys were doing. I looked him I'm up. I'm a 40-year-old in a modeling industry. Yep. And you're taking advantage of young Absolutely. girls. Absolutely. I looked him up, and from what I can tell, he was sort of known as that type of guy. Ugh. And, you know, I know that we do talk about, like, certain groupies and muses that were that age or a bit younger, and it's like, they, you know, they were empowered, and they totally wanted to be there, and they defend them to this day, but just, I don't know, you think modeling industry, you think 40-year-old man, you think 16-year-old girl, and you're like... Yeah. Yeah, if she wouldn't have dated him, would she have ever become a model? Exactly. Yeah. Gross. Okay, moving on. I just needed to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, Stephanie was sort of known as a party animal. And um, as far as I read, though, I like when it came to working, she was a professional. And, like, I don't want to claim that she was, like, fucked up and, you know, not doing her job. Like, it seems like she worked hard and on her time off, she played hard. 
So she would model for, you know, all the major fashion magazines as well as Sports Illustrated. She was on the cover of Playboy twice in the early 90s. Um, she's worked with many brands, Victoria's Secret. She was one of their first models. Uh, L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, The Gap. It just, she's had an intense career. What do you think about Playboy? Um, so what I meant by that was, would you ever consider posing for Playboy? Not now, maybe, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say no automatically. Um, there's a lot of women I know I who I admire. Miss P is one. She was in Playboy. Yeah. Um, it seems empowering if you're in the right place and that's something you want to do i know a lot of people say oh playboy ain't what it used to be yeah well i'm not an avid playboy reader so i can't comment one way or the other um my roommate has kept the same playboy magazine from like 1970 something in our bathroom and every time i get a new magazine just like a women's health or like a yoga magazine i like try and cover it yeah. and she always puts the playboy one back on top i'm so sick of seeing those women <laughs> they're cute i'm so sick of seeing them what about you would you consider um maybe like back in the day but if somebody told me or like asked me today would you pose for Playboy? what if they were I like wouldn't. we want to do a muses and stuff Nah, I do Rolling Stone, though. That would be amazing. I do Rolling Stone. So Stephanie did Playboy, though. She did it twice in the early 90s when she was, you know, up and coming and beautiful and perfect. She's still gorgeous. Um, And she even tried her hand at acting. She was in um, the Jackson Pollock biopic and an episode of Law & Order, but I guess that wasn't really for her because she only did a limited amount. So I mentioned Stephanie was a little bit of a party girl. Uh, I guess it's no surprise that she was attracted to some rock and rollers. Uh, She was first married to a guitarist named Tommy Andrews from 1989 to 90. Uh, The marriage was not meant to last. It did result in the birth of her son Dylan, though, in 1990. I always find it so fascinating when women already have children and then they have the like big love affair with the with the big with the rock musician, star or something. you know, yeah, after, the rock yeah. star like yeah. Baby and uh, Actually, Catherine James. That's interesting to point out. Um, Axel really did love her son Dylan, and from everything I've read, especially after they split, like that was that was probably the hardest part for him to not have that connection with uh, Dylan anymore because he really did treat him well and they had a good relationship so before axel though after tommy stephanie was linked to many high profile men including charlie sheen and the man who seemingly had every woman warren Beatty. Mm. Uh, i don't know why rod stewart came to my mind (laughs) well i think he he would love that (laughs) Rod Stewart would love that. (laughs) So Stephanie was actually dating Warren when she first met Axel, but she quickly dropped Warren to be with him. So there's this infamous quote from Axel about their first meeting. He said, I've been hit by a Mack truck and the license plate read Seymour. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's cute. Yeah. (laughs) 
So during their relationship, Stephanie sort of became amused to Axel as well in a different way than Aaron. Aaron got a bunch of songs written about her and Stephanie ended up acting in the music videos about Aaron. Yeah, I saw that. So you definitely pointed that out. We were watching the... Yes. We were watching the Guns N' Roses music video. Don't cry is one. That's what you said. Yeah. So she's technically in three, and actually her son Dylan is also in one. He can be seen and her in Estranged, but it's very minimal. I wouldn't say they, they, they don't star in it. So the most famous video Stephanie is in, of course, is November Rain. I would have guessed it. Yes. Even, like, I knew it was coming, but I would have, uh, I would have guessed that, that that's their most famous video. Yeah, that one... Very costly, constantly played. I remember being a kid and like every time you turned on much music, it was playing. It was. Did it give you feelings? It gave me a feeling to turn it off, actually, because it was like just so often that it got to Uh-oh. the point of like being like. But obviously, when you first see it, it's really beautiful. And uh, there's that iconic wedding dress that she's in. And it really was an iconic video for its time. And. You know, knowing also that they they were in a relationship and everything, it, it was special, but it was played just constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that was actually the most requested video uh, on MTV. Was that like 11 minutes long? It, it's pretty long, yeah. Uh, the MTV had been around for like 10 years at that point, and it was, yeah, the most requested song up up till that point. And the other music video, the one that we watched earlier, was Don't Cry. Now, this one's interesting, and I'm going to let Axel speak here through me. From a 1992 interview to explain why this one's interesting. So here he goes. I'm not going to try to imitate him. (sighs) With our video for Don't Cry, the fight that Stephanie Seymour and I had over the gun, you don't necessarily know what's going on, but in real life that happened with Aaron Everly and myself. I was going to shoot myself. We fought over the gun and I finally let her win. First of all, I want to comment on that comment because when I I mentioned when I looked up Aaron and Axel, I got a lot of, I saw a lot of comments about how they're both to blame. Like they both fought each other like physically and a lot of people like making excuses for Axel, but like, let's not forget the only way Aaron is ever going to win a fight is as he says, I let her win. Right. Right. So even when women are in violent relationships and they're physically fighting a man back, 
it's not an equal match. No. You know? I'd say that it is not. So I just wanted that to sink in there. So, yeah, we fought over the gun and I finally let her win. I was kind of mentally crippled after that. Before shooting our documentary, I said... Okay, you said shooting there, and then I got a little scared. But oh, then you finished sorry. my documentary. Yeah. Um, I said, this seems really hard because it really happened. And the night we wrote the scene, my friend Josh said, okay, how are we going to play that? He wanted to rehearse, and I was like, look, leave me alone. But he kept pushing until finally I stood up. I had this cigarette lighter that looked like a real gun, and I said, look, I'm going to do it like this. And I just went over and slammed around in the hallway a bit and threw the gun and said, is that good enough for you? But it was a very painful process, and it's even weird now to be involved in a relationship where the person I'm involved with is actually playing the parts that are written about the two of us, about fictional characters, about things in my past relationships. It's a very touchy thing to do. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really interesting video. If you haven't seen it or you don't remember it, definitely check it out since you know it's you know a reflection of him and Aaron. Don't uh, cry. Yes. Unfortunately, Axel sounds kind of like a crybaby. So. <laughs> Unfortunately, Stephanie really did not have to reach very far into her acting abilities for this because she was. Surprise, surprise, experiencing the same kind of behavior from Axel in their relationship as Aaron experienced. So her and Axel ended up being together for about two years. And I think they were engaged. It was I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but there's things out there that say that they they were engaged. So throwing that out there. Uh, but by 1993, the two had a very bitter, very public breakup. Uh, there's this famous incident that happened in 1992, like at the end of 92. Uh, Guns N' Roses were playing in Paris, and Axel dedicated their song Double Talking Jive to Warren Beatty. And he went on this big tirade about him. He called him a man who likes to play games, a parasite, an old man who likes to live his life vicariously through young people and suck up all their life because he has none of his own, a cheap punk. Well, listen, home fuck. It's <laughs> a new one. If you think Madonna kicked your ass, I'm betting money on a net, you stupid fucking asshole. <laughs> so, Good one. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, Axel believed Stephanie was cheating on him with Warren. Oh, God. Now, this is the same year that Warren um, and Annette Benning got married. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody should probably sniff less cocaine. Probably. In August of 1993, Axel did something pretty stupid. He decided to, to sue Stephanie for refusing to return the $100,000 in jewelry he had reportedly given to her th throughout their time together. Wait, they broke up already? Yes. It was about two years Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, they were got like it, from got like it. 91 to 93 ish. So yeah, Axel, they break up. It's bitter. He's like, I'm suing you. I want to get this jewelry back. Cheap brick. He also asked the judge for a restraining order against her, citing that she had attacked him. Apparently the previous Christmas, Stephanie punched him in the groin. 
Good for you, Stephanie. Right? At a party. Punch him right in the groin. <laughs> so in August of 1993, Stephanie countersued him for assault and battery. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, apparently, for giving her an STD. You can do that? Uh, uh, it was part of what I read, so... There it is. She also, of course, because did- if that's the case, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, she also didn't deny the fact that she attacked his groin. She definitely felt he deserved it. So because Seymour is trying to prove that Axel is the abuser, her lawyers end up um, sending a subpoena to Aaron Everly to show, you know, this is he has a history of abuse. This apparently is a turning point for Aaron as well. Until then, she kind of believed she was in the victim blaming mindset. You know, we both fought. We're both to blame. Like, I brought this on myself. Uh, I think she also believed that Axel was only ever violent with her. Oh. And that he had moved on to Stephanie and he was living this happy, healthy relationship and like not anything like they had. So this was really a wake-up call for her, and seeing Stephanie fight back against it inspired Aaron to finally be open about it, and Aaron decides, I'm going to sue him as well. Hell yeah. Yeah. So in 1994, four years after her annulment, Aaron took Axel to court, suing him for assault and sexual battery. She went into detail about the abuse she endured. Slash's ex-girlfriend testified about, you know, what she'd seen Axel do to Aaron. And I believe other friends and... Sexual battery? Yeah. Oh. I believe other friends and witnesses also came forward to, you know, tell the stories of the abuse that they witnessed as well. Aaron also... This this is where it gets weird. Uh, Oh, this is where it gets weird? This Well, we're going next level right now. Aaron also revealed that Axel claimed to be possessed by the spirit of Led Zeppelin drummer John Bonham. And he also believed... Yeah, right? He also believed that, and I'm quoting here, in a past life, we were Indians and that I killed our children and that's why he was so mean to me in this life. I I don't know. I told you next level. Next level. Although, I mean, in his defense, you know, no, no, never mind. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not even going to go there. So Axel claimed all his actions were in self-defense. Um, I started to write out some of the stories of abuse that she talks about, but they were really awful and kind of, you know, it's unnecessary to go over. If anyone does want to hear those details, they are all over the Internet. Both Aaron and Stephanie recounted many awful incidents that left them, you know, battered, and it was upsetting to read. Um, As story after story came out in these court hearings, Axel's lawyers realized there's no winning here, and he settled both lawsuits. Aaron's settlement was never disclosed, but Parade Magazine published that Stephanie received 400000 So... It's not surprising that Stephanie doesn't really look back on her time with Axel very fondly. She said, getting involved with Axel Rose, 
clearly a mistake. It taught me a lot, though. He was a violent person, and I realized I never wanted to be around that again. The thrill of the whole rock and roll thing wore off. I saw the worst of that world, and it soured me. Yeah, so there's another lesson for everybody. Yeah, it's not... It's not all it's cracked up to be. Exactly. Emphasis on the word cracked. (laughs) Yes. So after Axel, Stephanie began an affair with business mogul Peter Brandt. Brandt is like a billionaire. He's a publisher, a real estate developer, an art collector. He was also married at the time. That's why he called it an affair. Yes. But he ended up divorcing his wife and marrying Stephanie in 1995. They had... What a hero. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they had two sons, Peter and um, and Harry, Peter and Harry, and their daughter, Lily, was born in 2004. Cute names. Yeah. They were a really well-known couple about town in New York. You know, they live the high life only, you know, in the way only billionaires can. I mean, I would know. Yeah. That's what I do every day. Mm-hmm. In March of... 2009 stephanie actually filed for divorce and they began this extremely extremely ugly and public battle he was claiming she was like a cheater and had drug and alcohol issues she claimed he was a cheater i think they were back and forth in court between like 10 and 15 times i read an article in the new york times that said they're divorce generated more than 12,000 public divorce documents with thousands more that were sealed and this was written during during it all so I'm sure there were more um they didn't have a prenup oh no right what was you he get thinking the prenup with the billionaire so no doubt you know that had a lot to do with why it was so oh, difficult no, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Well, for her, it's this great. This is good. This is a good <laughs> thing. I mean, okay, sweet. No, I'm into this. So, again, I don't want to get into, like, all the ugliness of their public battles. Even their children got dragged into it. It's terrible. It's all online. In article after article, if anyone is interested in hearing those sort of details. Um, How much money she get? Have you ever seen the movie War of the Roses? No. I haven't seen any movies. It's cra- it's like a crazy movie. Uh, Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, they're they're playing a couple that's getting divorced, and like they're just hardcore. Everything tops the next thing. Kathleen and Turner is the bomb. I should lend it to you because it's it's great. Um, but for those who have seen it, basically it got that ugly. <laughs> but the craziest thing is that. A year later, they go into court to finally begin the trial to divide their assets, and they walk into the courtroom hand in hand and announce their reconciliation. Okay. Then. So they signed a statement voiding all the awful things they alleged about each other, and to this day, they're, they're still together. All right. Yeah. Then. Let that be a lesson to all of you out there. What is the lesson? I don't know. Maybe if you know it. Get that prenup if you are get a billionaire. Prenup if you're a billionaire. So um, yeah. Fuck, I don't know. The last incident with Stephanie happened last year. She went into a year long rehab program after being charged with drunk driving in 2016. She ended up backing her Mercedes onto an interstate ramp and later that day she crashed her car into a utility pole which then snapped and then she left the scene 
Um, but she completed the program. She was able to get it erased from her record. What? She was a first time offender. So wow. yeah. Um, I'm sure she's doing much better now. You know, happy that she completed the program and hopefully she's on a better path. Hmm. Um, yeah. Stephanie. And, yeah. Stephanie Seymour. Exactly. So just giving a little update about Aaron. Uh, she got married in 1997 to a businessman named Jack Portman. They moved to Atlanta. She had three kids with him and a son. Uh, her son's name's Eason, and her daughters are Esper and Aries. Lots of E's. Um, she likes okay. the E's. Um, the, or, or the, another kind of crazy incident that happened with Aaron in 2010, she was arrested for domestic violence herself apparently she came at her boyfriend with a knife that's all i could really find out about that um in 2011 aaron was actually spotted at a guns and roses show in atlanta but in the audience so i don't know if her and axel Hunky-dunky then connected uh in 2013 aaron um she auctioned off some of her axel related items such as letters photos handwritten lyrics clothing and even their wedding video and marriage certificate she just kind of cleaned house um might as well honestly yeah get rid of all that baggage bring in get some money casket yeah fuck that get some money uh there were two notes that i saw posted and they read Sorry for being so hard on you. You didn't do anything wrong. I just became frustrated with my predicament and didn't know how to verbalize my feelings. It's a note from Axel, obviously. And on a scrap piece of paper, he also wrote, No love was there more true. Aaron, I love you. Goodbye, sweet child. Love always. Alrighty. Yeah. Aaron had a bit of a social media presence on Twitter and Instagram, but I looked her up and I think she's deleted everything. I couldn't find it. So there's really not much mu- news I can update with as for her current situation. She's chilling out in Atlanta. Yeah. I do know in 2015, she did post a few photos of her and Axel together with words like forgive. So it sounds like she's sort of come to terms with that part of her life, nice. which is a good thing. So... That's that's Aaron and that's yep. Stephanie. Love it. I'm going to talk about two other women right now who didn't date Axel, but were important not only to Axel, but to the whole band. Just throwing a little more rock and roll women. Excellent. Getting an extra story in here. So on the Appetite for Destruction album, which was their first album, there's a song called Rocket Queen. Axel. I've never heard it. Well, here it is. I will, yeah, here it is. So Axel wrote this song about a friend of his. 
uh, a woman who was named Barbie Von Grief. So apparently Barbie was a wild child and she became like a madame of a brothel when she was like young, young. Uh, She was well known by the time she was 18 slash called her the queen of the underground scene. And Axel had this huge infatuation with her. Uh, Barbie also helped influence the band's look in the biography, Watch You Bleed, I found mention of Barbie doing the band's hair and makeup for their early photo shoots, which became their most iconic photo shoots, of course. There's a quote in the book also where Axel says, No one has that mentality of understanding the connection between drugs and rock and roll. I don't know. She's so smart. She knows how to do it. Apparently, Barbie knew the connection between drugs and rock and roll. Barbie knew <laughs> She knew it. She lived it. She loved it. And obviously Axel and the boys kind of looked up to her as this rocket queen. Rocket queen. So when it came to the song Rocket Queen, Axel said, I wrote this song for this girl I know. She kind of kept me alive for a while. She was going to have a band and call it Rocket Queen. I do want to note here that there's an interview on YouTube with Barbie and some other women, including another one I'm going to mention later. And I'm going to directly quote Barbie right now. The original song was written for my band to do, and it is the only song that I ever helped him with that I wanted my name on. It's the only one I was trying to write. Axel would be sitting on my couch saying, what do you think of this? That sucks. Let's do this. It was a couple of friends both just sitting there writing. Any song assistance I gave him was because I loved him and I wanted him to succeed. If he'd say, or he'd say, if I make it, I'd say, there's no if. It's 100% from here on out. He already felt that way, but I think he needed to hear it. Yeah. So I looked on the appetite for Destruction album to see if she got that writing credit and she... Let me guess. Yeah. She didn't. Exactly. She's in the thank you section. Okay. So... Do you was like a money thing? Maybe. Because she would have maybe had to get paid or something? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. In an interview with Hit Parader, Axel also said, the last part of the song is my message to this person or anybody else who can get something out of it. It's like there's hope and a friendship note at the end of the song. So unfortunately, I couldn't really find out much about Barbie otherwise. It seems like she's kind of a mystery woman that many, many Guns N' Roses fans want to know more about. Cool. Uh, so hopefully one day... The she- mysterious muse. Yeah. I And it sounds like she's got quite a story, mm-hmm. so... Hopefully we we get to hear that eventually. But the Rocket Queen story does not end here. So those who know the song know that Axel isn't the only voice that's heard on the record. Axel decided the song needed a little extra something. The sounds of a Rocket Queen getting off. (laughs) But it's not Barbie you're hearing. It's a 19-year-old woman named Adriana Smith. Yes. So Adriana was an inspiring... Axel thinks he's Serge Gainsbourg or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was an aspiring actress. She was working as a stripper in L.A. at a club called The Seventh Veil. 
I'm not sure if she met the band while working there or not, but she would often hang out with the boys and she began dating the Steven Adler, one of the Yeah. One of the GNR boys. Steven wasn't the most faithful man, and when she found out that he had cheated, Adriana decided to even the playing field a little bit by cheating with Axel. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Adler was pissed, but apparently they made up. In 1986, when the band went to New York City to finish mixing their album, Adriana went to hang with the band. So they're in the studio mixing, and Adriana says, It was all craziness. He said something to me about art and making this song, and I was drunk. Basically, Axel propositioned Adriana, and she says she did it for the band. We cleared... Everyone out of the studio, dimly lit, there were cushions in the booth so no one could really see in. There were two guys in one booth, and we were in another, and I think they got a couple hours of recording of us having sex. It wasn't really romantic, passionate, or hot. It was kind of contrived, but they got some good stuff out of it. So apparently, one of the sounds... What an ego. Right? That's just ego. But... She is part of rock and roll history now, and she, sure, you know, she feels good about it. Do you know what I mean? I'm in it on Axel's side. Of course. I mean, as in, like, I need well, to when record I... a woman getting off. I'm a woman that I'm getting off. Yeah. Not like, let's fake it mm-hmm. because women can't fake it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's actually quite funny. Apparently, one of the sound guys was like really square and like totally appalled by it all and like left. <laughs> And Adriana actually kept this a secret from Stephen, but had to come clean after Axel insisted in, that, you know, she be put on the credits and she's in a thank you on, on the credit as well. Um, Adriana says... I'm sorry, what song was that? Rocket Queen. We're still talking about the same song. Yeah. Okay. That, there's like two <laughs> Rocket Queens. God. Barbie's the real one. Yeah. Adriana's just the voice of the okay. Rocket Queen. So... Her and Axel continued their on-off affair for some time, and she even said that Axel Axel once asked her to move in with him and Aaron, and that he wanted her to teach Aaron to have sex the way she did. Yeah, cool. Sounds like such a gross asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, this story actually didn't come out until 20 years after the album did, because Adriana says she always felt this shame about it. She said, I had shame and guilt over what I had done, and I felt that if, and I felt as if I'd done something wrong for a long time. Basically, I came out of, I came out 20 something years later because it was a sense of closure for myself. I realized that it was something that I didn't have to be ashamed of and something that was really good. Good. So, yeah, she, and she's also in that YouTube clip with Barbie talking about, her relationship with the band and the song. And you can tell she realizes, you know, this was my piece. This was my part of not only, you know, Guns N' Roses history, but rock and roll history. And she, she seems really happy. So fair enough. In 2008, Adriana was making her own music with her band, Adriana and the ghost in the graveyard and has even dedicated a song to Axel 
called Come Find Me. So Axel was amused to her, too, apparently. She's also a mother and a drug and alcohol counselor. Good for her. Yeah. She said, Rocket Queen was what I was most famous for, but I see myself as a friend to them after all those crazy times. I'm still friends with Slash. Even though everything got messed up and with the band, we stayed in touch. But it was a different time, and I could never see myself with any band now. It was a moment in time when the stars aligned. So... the truth. Yeah. And there you have... The Rocket Queen story. The Rocket Queen. Um, That piece on YouTube really is fantastic. They also talked to this woman named Pamela Manning in it, who was a dancer for the band. Uh, uh, She was like, she toured with them. She was at all their early shows. She's badass. It's like, it's only six minutes long. I wish it were longer. These women are so interesting. Um, I wonder who made it. I'm not sure, but I'll post Who I'll decided. post the link yeah. since we're talking about so much. That way people can see it as well. And uh Yeah. So don't date Axel. Don't date Axel. Don't do it. Don't even think about doing it. Don't even no. think about it. And now you can see what I mean about the insides come becoming yeah. his outsides. Yeah. Like it, it just seems so fitting. I wonder if he's dating anybody right now. I wonder. But hopefully if he is He's, you know, had a lot of years to deal with his own mental health issues. So, hope yeah, hopefully yeah. he's in a better place as well because that's not okay for him either. Yeah, know? yeah, agreed. Yeah. So. So, well, I learned a lot. Awesome. Um, it, it's so wild to think that there are all of these women who have had all is all of these relationships with these guys because i've only ever really looked at them and been like eh, the 80s know, is such the a 80s is yeah especially of, the hair metal yeah. scene it's not the easiest thing to talk about but these are the amazing women and these are their stories and a lot of them seem proud or and like why shouldn't they that's their life and if they did what they wanted like good for them and it's wild that none of them have books and all of them could i know none of them have books all of them could i know exactly it would be amazing to hear you know erin talk about her life and barbie and mm-hmm. adriana and yeah and pamela manning she definitely yeah well thanks for doing the research and looking into it and being like well just because they don't have the books you know, you felt that it was important to give these women, um, you know, they have their own voices, of course, but to just show them in a different manner. Yeah, I did my and best. And to include them with all of our amazing women. Yeah. So, no, you did a great job. I really oh, enjoyed thank it. thank you. Yeah. And the music is fun, too. Yeah. The music is fun. Yeah. And we've definitely gotten requests for Aaron before. So, hopefully, right. I've done it justice and those people are happy with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Um, if you want to listen to more podcasts, go to Rock and Roll Archaeology. Yeah, rockandrollarchaeology.com or over to their iTunes. Yeah. And uh, check out all of their great shows like Deeper Digs and Rock. They are getting some amazing interviews over there. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I can't believe it. Yeah. I don't want to say I'm jealous, but I... I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. Christian Swain. Oh, no. It's awesome. They're, they're brothers. So that is... Uh, it's so I'm, exciting every yeah. time something, you know, you see the next one come up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're fantastic interviews. Oh, yeah. They really are. We're learning a lot, actually, from their interview styles. Absolutely. For, for ours going forwards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Head over to the Patreon as well over on Rock and Roll Archaeology if you want to give a donation to the network. That would be really appreciated. You yeah. Know? And even if you put in, like, in the show notes – or not the show notes, but you put in the notes of the donation of, like – this is because we love Shanti and Lynx. Then they would think that we're even cooler than they already think that we're cool. <laughs> so that'd be wicked. And then hopefully we can get some merch in their store soon. Yes. I think they're working on it. Peter said he's working on it. Ooh. <laughs> All right. And you can find us on Instagram at Muses and Stuff Podcast and on Twitter at Shanti and Lynx. Yep. Keep them updated. Yeah. Lynx is keeping them updated. And we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.